Hi, and thank you for joining our virtual happy hour with residency programs. My name is Fong, fourth year medical student in Miami. The goal is to bring residency program information provided by the current residents to you, the orthopedic surgery applicant, at your availability. Here are 23 questions to find you the perfect match for residency. Welcome to the podcast. I'm going to introduce Dr. Bijan Amiri. He did his undergrad at UC Irvine Medical School at Toro University in Nevada in Las Vegas. Currently the chief resident at Broward Health. And he'll be moving to Yale for Spine Fellowship. How are you doing, Bijan? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Of course, anytime. And thank you for taking the time out to conduct this interview. Yeah, no problem. So the first question I wanted to ask was, uh, to keep it casual, do you have any traditions of the program? And if so, any favorites? Uh, yeah, sure. So one of the big things we do is at the end of the year, usually in uh, May or June, we have the resident roast. So um, we kind of all get together and just make PowerPoints and videos and, you know, kind of no holds bar, just make fun of each other in a, in a fun environment. <laughs> um, so one of our attendings usually sponsors it and they pay for the food and everything. So it's usually a fun time. And then a lot of times we'll go out after, you know, somewhere in downtown Fort Lauderdale or Miami or whatever. Sounds good. And so you at the I said in the May and June area, you guys just make a PowerPoint. All you do is just roast each other, have a good time and eat and drink. Yeah, basically, like uh, me and one of the other residents, he graduated now. We, we used to make a bunch of videos. We'd have a theme, like, you know, <laughs> like a day in the life at Broward, and we'd do it through, like, we'd dress up as the other residents and make videos. Me and him were definitely the roast kings. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, based off of my time there, I definitely could see that happening. And yeah, I was, think you mentioned awesome. something about the Christmas party. We want to talk about that for a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah, we do, a, we do a Christmas party also. So, um, you know, all of us get together. It's the residents mostly. Sometimes one or two of the attendings will come. But, yeah, we get together for Christmas also. And then kind of the more day-to-day stuff, usually prior to coronavirus, after didactics on Tuesdays, we used to go to Tap 42, which is the bar across the street. And we'd uh, have a drink, have a drink or two after didactics. Definitely. So that's kind and- of good traditions. For sure. And if you're into beer, Tap 42 has crazy selections of beers. That's technically why they're named Tap 42. Yeah, they have 42 beers on tap. They're a, it's a chain in South Florida. For sure. From what I've seen, the relationship between your classes has been amazing. Everyone's super supportive of each other. What do you think yeah. about the relationship between the different classes? So we are, I think we're the smallest program in the country. We only take three per year, despite our home base being a level one. So we are busy. But it's not a bunch of grunt work for, you know, the first and second years that never see the OR. It's not that kind of program. We all get along well. We all work together and we try to get everyone into the operating room. So, you know, there isn't any of that, um, you know, scut work, intern year kind of um, dynamic going on in our program. We actually pride ourselves on getting first and second years in the OR. So Mm -hmm. to me, that's a big strength. Um, and then more so to your question, you were asking about the relationships. We are a small program and we have to be a family because there's only 15 residents at any one time. So you go to some programs and there's like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 residents per year and you get lost in the shuffle and, you know, some residents are friends and other ones aren't. That's never really been an issue for us because we're such a small program and we have to get along. We don't have a choice, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so we all get along very well. Um, we all hang out. It's not like the PGY fours don't know the PGY ones or twos. You know, we all get along. 
Uh, we all interview. So every resident is there on interview day unless they're, you know, traveling or something like that. So we mm -hmm. all meet the applicants when they come in. Um, you know, we go to sports events together, you know, prior to COVID, go out together on weekends, hang out. So I would say that's probably a big strength of our program is that we all get along very well. Yeah, definitely. And that's kind of the dynamic I saw, especially on the Trump service. I think it was an uh, intern, uh, two twos, a four and a five. Yeah, that's so how, we, that's we try to represent, exactly. We try and represent every year at all times in the main hospital. Got it. Got it. And again, huge props to the, to the chemistry I saw. And I wanted to ask for the next question is, do you have a, typically it's a five-year clinical program, but do you have a six-year with a research year included? Uh, no, that's not an option for us. We're strictly five-year program. Okay. And if you can kind of generally tell us what the rotation schedule is like for each year. Sure. So I would argue that we have the best intern year of any program. So you, know, you do six months of ortho in your intern year. Um, again, you are going to be in the operating room during that time. It's not just floor work. Um, you're going to do two months of trauma surgery. So, you know, level one trauma comes in, you're with the general surgery trauma team. Uh, when I was an intern, I was the only one on service. So, you know, that used to be a little more of a crazier experience running as an intern, running the gen surge trauma team. But now they, uh, they have a few other residents on and they also have a new residency program. So there's always going to be other gen surge residents on with you. Mm -hmm. So there's two months of that. You do a month of ER. So it's focused more on, on ortho toward the end. You know, some of the ER docs might try and get you to do some other stuff, but we try and make them allow you to focus on, on ortho stuff so that you can get better at your physical exam, get better at your diagnosis and treatment plans and all that with a little less pressure because you're down there, mm -hmm. you know, with the ER staff, not with, you know, not holding the ortho pager. So it's a little less pressure. So it's kind of good in the intern year to have that. Then we do a month of neurosurge. So the neurosurgeons here have no residents. So you're treated, you know, you're the only resident there. So you're first wow. assist under the microscope as an intern for MIS cases and whenever the scope is out. So we have a very good spine experience here, I would say, um, starting from intern year. We can talk about that separately if you like. Yeah, yeah. But that's one month of your time. Uh, then there's a month of plastics and hand surgery. And the two plastic surgeons that work with us um, directly with our program are awesome. So you do great cases. You, they do, you know, everything under the sun, not just like cosmetics. It's a lot of, again, it's a trauma center. So you're going to see a lot of, you know, limb sparing and that kind of stuff. But they also do hand call and take hand cases. So you'll do a bunch of hand stuff also. So that's a good experience. And then what, how many months am I in now? <laughs> <laughs> I think you said four months of just different things and the six month ortho. Yeah. Because you said, you said ER and you said uh, neurosurgery and you said plastics and you said trauma. Yeah, I think that's it. There might be one more. <laughs> for but sure, I'm for sure. You, but you're definitely for... making a great case though for intern year. There's so much opportunity. Yeah, intern year is great. It, it's, it's, it's you're in the OR a lot. Yeah. And when you're on, and again, when you're on neurosurge, you're in the OR four <laughs> days a week. Mm-hmm. It, it's nice. You're not, you're not spending all your time rounding. Actually, we barely round with them. So you're really just spending time clinically with them. And it's, it's a great experience. Wow. I think that's the first for me. I haven't really heard about any other intern year where it's mainly operative experience. So definitely we'll get to the strengths of the program in a future question, but I want to know a little bit more about the culture of the program and how would you explain the culture of the program? So I'd say the culture, you know, you're surround, you're in a, you're in a beach town essentially. Um, you're 20 minutes from Miami. If you maybe with traffic, you 20 to 40. 
Um, you are a couple hours from Orlando. So there's plenty of stuff to do. There's plenty of things to do um, around you. So that's nice. It's a, you know, Miami's a huge city and that's right next door. So there's plenty of culture for you to take in um, in that regard to the word. And then I would say the culture of our program is very much so, you know, work. It's not work hard, play hard, because usually that means you're getting beat down. That's something people say when like <laughs> when the program like works you to death. Uh-huh. So I wouldn't say that. But I would say that we the culture of our program is to give people responsibility early and let them mature early. Mm-hmm. So when our second years rotate in other hospitals, even our first or yeah, second years only are the ones that start rotating out. A lot of times they're they're more advanced than the people around them because they've had so much more experience. They've already taken call and held the pager overnight. They've already done reductions alone. They've already done surgeries, you know, with you know supervision, obviously, but they've been in the OR with no other resident. So the culture of our program, I would say, is early operative experience, but more 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 generally, I would say more responsibility up front. Got it. And the next, it kind of bridges to our next question is the strengths of the program. You mentioned a little bit, of, you want to talk a little bit more about engineering. Well, well what we really want to ask is what stood out to you before you applied to Broward Health and what is a gem now that you're a resident? Yeah, sure. So to me, the operative experience, like I've already said, was a huge mm-hmm. factor. So, you know, the goal of the program, quote unquote, is to graduate an orthopedic surgeon that can practice on day one. Right. So you could go out and you could be a general surgeon or excuse me, general orthopedist on day one. That's kind of the goal. It sounds fundamental, but, you know, not every place can do that. So, you know, I would say that this means that the residents have to operate early. They have to be given commensurate autonomy as they gain trust. Because, um, mm-hmm. again, we're a busy level one trauma center and we're the smallest program. Um, so to me, that's a huge strength. And that was a big factor for me. I wanted to go somewhere where I wouldn't be scared when I, when I graduated, you know, I would have mm-hmm. seen everything. No one's seen everything, but you know, seen you as see much a as lot. <laughs> exactly. And responsibility is kind of assigned as, you know, from a younger age. And as you get trusted more, you get allowed to do more things. And that's a nice thing about our program. Definitely. And I've seen second years of PGY twos actually essentially fly solo. And then the attendant is just there just to supervise and they're pretty much clean the whole case out. Obviously it's within their level of training, but the fact that they get that autonomy, especially in the OR, that's insane, especially as a, as a second year. Not many programs yeah, offer that. And, and it's, it's earned, you know, it's not like we just hand it, it's not reckless. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you prove yourself, you prove that you can do well, you get allowed to do a little more and then eventually you get to a point where, you know, you're doing a case and the res- and the attending's not scrubbed in or they're just scrubbed in to give you an extra set of hands. Now, is that the experience for 100% of our residents? No, but I would say it's the experience for the majority. Definitely. You know, some people progress slower than others. That's kind of natural. Mm-hmm. At the end of the yeah. day, you're doing surgery on someone, right? We're not going to put you in a position to be unsafe. For sure. Patients first, as always. Yeah. And the other thing was really everyone was like a family. You know, some of my best friends in life I made, even when I was rotating here, I became very close friends with one of the residents. And I would say he's one of my best friends to this day. So the family aspect is is definitely there. Um, the other thing that's kind of cool about our program is that it's it's yeah we're based in a level one center and you spend a lot of your time there, but we're also a private-demic model, and so it ties oh, again into the whole yeah it ties again into the whole you know ready on day one to practice. So you've spent time in private practice offices, seeing patients, seeing you know the day-to-day stuff that they don't really teach you in other programs like how to do billing and how to market yourself and all that stuff. So you know. That's a big benefit, I think. 
definitely. Especially, I think especially with the, from what I've heard is like with the private orthopedic surgeons, you actually learn a lot in terms of their model of business. And that adds a lot to your training because not many people really talk about the finance aspect of medicine. And it's great that I think yeah, exactly. just to have a little bit of that in, in your orthopedic training, I think it's, it's intense. It's good. Yeah. So if you, if you look at, you know, just my own personal spine experience that I've had. So intern year, I had a month with the neurosurge guys. They do a lot of MIS stuff. They're, they're employed. So you see the employed model, the pluses and the minuses of that. Even if you're too young to really pay attention, later on, you'll kind of see what was going on. Then we do uh, PEDS in Miami with the, actually, that's with the, the University of Miami residents at Nicholas Children's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, if you want, you know, you can, spine, you can scrub with all the spine cases for scolies. Uh, so there you'll see, again, the employed model, what that's like in a different hospital, a different arena. But then in third year, when you get to third year or fourth year, you'll end up doing spine outpatient with a private practice um, surgeon who, who does everything. He does everything from MIS tiny surgeries to, you know, revision deformity and even corpectomies and tumor surgeries. I, I did that. And he, that, that's out of a, you know, a private practice model. So you learn literally the full gambit of, of medicine employed and, and not employed and what the pluses and minuses are of each one. And, you know, I think, I think being exposed to it early is a benefit. Definitely. I think that, I don't think anyone ever complains about too much exposure. That that's just generally what I've been seeing in, in, in sense that everyone's always asking for more exposure, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Even our program director, Dr. Rush. So he has his own private practice and he also, you know, is, has a contract with Broward and takes call there and also runs the program. So the whole culture of the, of the place is, you know, private demic, although there are uh, more and more people being brought over to the employed side. Got it. So next question I wanted to ask is what sets Broward Health apart from all the other orthopedic residencies? So we're in a great location. That's kind of a, a immediate off the bat benefit, right? You're in South Florida. People want to live mm-hmm. here. So I grew up in LA, so I'm biased on weather. I will not say that the weather is the best here anywhere in the world. <laughs> I'm from LA agree, too. As we talked about, yeah. So, we, yeah. you know, Florida, I'll, I'll call it like second or third best, but still that's better than, you know, snowy Ohio or something. So the where you are is nice. You know, there's plenty of things to do. There's plenty of places to go. There's, you know, very diverse place around you. So that's nice. But, you know, again, the strengths, the the reasons why I came here and all that stuff, we've already kind of talked about them. So th- those yeah. to me are are the big uh, strengths in, of the program. Got it. And what I wanted to ask is, uh, since Broward Health is recently aging, I don't know exactly when, but it's ACGME accredited. Uh, you know what year? So... This, so the program started merging in 2016. Okay. So yeah, this was traditionally an osteopathic residency. Now it's open to DO and MD. So mm-hmm. this last year, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this knows this, obviously, but last year was the first unified match. So I was one of the people applying to the program that were in that gray zone. Like, is the program going to make it or not? So another big reason why I chose this program was because I knew this place was going to make it because there's no way it couldn't, right? It had... Mm-hmm everything you would need. It had a big level one trauma center attached and it had a motivated uh, program director who wanted to make it happen. Definitely. So since 2016, it's been ACGME. So, you know, going on, it's four years now going on five next year. So for my entire residency, it's been ACGME. And Dr. Rush is extremely passionate. Have you ever had time to attend one of the pressure conferences? Usually 645 EST on Fridays. If you have time, tune in. Dr. Rush is amazing. 
So the next thing I want to yeah, ask. So we is, have we have four oh, four employed trauma sur- Yeah, there's four employed trauma surgeons that try to be there all the time. We have a very good. That's another benefit. We have a very good Huge. fracture conference, and it's kind of like a weekly M M&M and M, and also you know a, a review of cases and everything okay. all in one. You know what could have been better, what went great. Um, there's not that much of what could have been better, but there's always stuff that could have been better. Yeah. Uh, but we also we actually talk about from the last couple of times I went especially when I was on service, they talked, especially Dr. Perez likes to talk about different literature, especially uh, recent literature. And there's a lot of the journal club action in there as well, depending on the type of cases that we have. So it's a good dynamic of a little bit of everything with the four trauma surgeons. I, I found it very yeah, exactly. interesting and intriguing. Yeah, they actually hired another another trauma surgeon employed to be in North Broward. So there's five now. Wow. So just as background of the hospital, the hospital Broward Health is, I think, the seventh biggest public hospital system. So it's a pretty big place in general. Um, it's only recent since since we had the merger and since they started new residencies in the other hospitals that we're allowed to go to all the other hospitals. So that's something that's new is that we can go to North Broward. So in the future, something that's changing is that we might have more involvement in the other four hospitals. But Broward Health is a, a very big system. And so they're kind of filling out the spots and employing more people and trying to, you know, diversify our program. For sure. It seems like it's a room for growth too, as well, in terms of how much exposure yeah. you guys get on top of the already exposed residents that you, <laughs> that you guys are already coming out with. So that's great. I think that's, yeah, that's amazing. I think the amount of cases I saw already were insane, but to add more, I only add to the program. The Yeah. And I would say like you, you were there during a slow season, right? Right. And it's still insane. When, when coronavirus wasn't around, this place is very seasonal, right? So a lot of the snowbirds and a lot of the vacationers come down um, when it's snowing in the Northeast and stuff. So the entire city gets much busier during those times. And so, you know, there's a commensurate increase with how busy we are. So, you know, the busy season is usually sometime around November to April or May. Mm -hmm. And during those times, if you're, you know, if you're on call or something, you could see like five or six hip fractures come in at one time, just because one cruise ship comes in and they bring in all their disasters. <laughs> so, because you know, we all, so the two hospitals in the area, the two biggest ones I would say are uh, UM and then us. There's also Memorial, um, but UM and Broward have the cruise ship contract. So they get all the people that need medical care from the boat. So we see a lot of stuff from, from the cruise ships. Unfortunately, not so much this year as all of that has been postponed or even canceled, but just yeah, exactly. on my service and you know that's that's crazy exactly and that that's just in addition to all the you know the, the 95 freeway is a constant source of trauma so mm-hmm. uh since you said that there's no six-year program for research for those who are interested in research do you have any dedicated research blocks so that's something that we're building into the curriculum actually okay. because um i don't know if anyone told you yet, but their acgme is making that a requirement for residency So there has to be dedicated research time in every program. So, you know, there's going to be that in the future. In the past, you know, when you had a down month, you kind of try to knock out as much as you could. Um, If you're motivated in our program, you can have an amazing CV. You could also fly under the radar and do like one or two projects a year and never truly publish anything. No one's going to, you know, hold it, you know, against you. But obviously, if you want a good fellowship, it's in your best interest to do that, Mm -hmm. which is kind of the way that I viewed it. So I went out of my way to create opportunities and to to do as much as I could. Um, that being said, Broward has in the last two years done a lot to try and help us. They have a research coordinator that works very hard 
Uh, we have two randomized prospective controlled studies mm-hmm. going on, which is like a record for this hospital. So it's not like a research crazy place. If that's what you're looking for, I'll be honest, it's probably not the place you want to go. But if that's what you're looking for, then you probably don't want to be a surgeon, right? I mean, heavy, heavy research is, is you know, in our eyes, we'd rather have you spend the time getting becoming a better surgeon than researching all day. And this is from one of the people who has, you know, a great CV coming out of the program. There's other people, there's one or two people that probably have a better CV than me in the history of the program, Mm -hmm. but I have a pretty good CV and I went here and, you know, didn't struggle at all to create projects and to have high quality stuff. So definitely you can do it if you want to, and you don't have to do it if you don't want to. Got it. Got it. So it seems like it's also the same grind medical school and you're just carrying that over to residency. That's great, man. Appreciate you giving me kind of like your mind and your mindset in terms of how to approach research and residency. I think it's a lot of it's yeah, self-made. So, um, exactly. So if you want to, if your goal is to go to a great fellowship and especially coming out of our program. So we've talked a lot about the strengths. We haven't talked about any of the weaknesses. Right? One of the weaknesses is that no one's heard of us. Right. So no one, no one knows Broward Health and Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. They know Jackson. Right. Because because UM is a historic ortho program, but nobody really knows who we are. So that's one big downside is that when you're applying to fellowships, they're like, oh, tell me about Broward. I've never heard of it. Got it. So hopefully we can get some Even exposure. Though we do have some faculty. Yeah, there's a lot of faculty that are well-known too, but it's just the, the institution is not, you know, the, the residency has been around since 2006, not, you know, 1946. Got it. So hopefully we try to get more exposure. Dr. Rush is trying, and hopefully with this podcast, we can at least get some more viewers and some more interested applicants. Yeah, it's kind of a diamond in the rough, honestly. For sure. Um, next question I want to ask is gauntlet residency. What do you think is the most difficult period of residency for you? In your opinion, so just like a lot of other programs, I think second year is pretty hard. Mm-hmm. So second year, you're on trauma at the hospital. You're basically, you know, on ortho trauma for six months of the year. Again, that's trauma in general together, and you're taking the most call in second year. So after second year, it gets easier each year for call, like significantly easier each year for call. So I would say second year is the hardest because you're at the hospital all the time. And your out rotations are, one of them is uh, PEDS in Miami. So not, again, we're talking about weaknesses of the program. One of them is that you have to drive to, you know, Miami every day for, for, you know, those six months that you're in on PEDS. So it's three months in second year, three months in fourth year. And then the other block that you do in second year is um, it's a little variable. So you have some input to what you do early for what you're interested in. Um, so I think people have been doing joints a lot and, um, sports, whatever they're really interested in. So you have a little bit of, of some wiggle room there. Got it. Uh, and how's the class schedule? Like, I think we can talk about, do you have a night flow system? No, there's no night flow. Okay. So again, like I said earlier, you know, the, the responsibility comes early. Gotcha. So kind of the general way that it's done is that for the first six months of your intern year, you don't have, there's no call or anything, you know, you're just, you're there during the day, you're learning how to do everything and you're learning how to be a resident. You're learning the hospital, you're learning all that stuff. You're holding the pager during the day. Um, but you still are in the OR. It's not, it's not a, you know, it's probably like 60, 40 or maybe 70, 30 mm-hmm. at worst for, for responsibilities outside of the OR. So, you know, you're doing all that stuff in the second half of the year. That's when you can start taking call during the week. So you'll be the, when we're on call, we're the only person on call. So there's only one resident in the hospital. 
Um, there's no fellows in all in our entire institution. So, you know, that's another reason why we have so much more autonomy is that there's no fellows at all. So you're on call, you're holding the pager. So you're covering the trauma bay and the ER. We also have a PEDS trauma bay and a PEDS ER, or should I say a, a PEDS ER and the trauma bay is shared for PEDS and adult. And then you're also covering, you know, what's going on on the floor. So it's busy. You know, you're, I would say most nights, I wasn't busy the whole night though. It's not even close mm-hmm. to that. I've only really probably had like five or 10 bad calls. So again, this place is seasonal. So some of your nights are going to be chill. Some of your nights are going to be busy, but you know, it sucks up front, but then every year it gets better. And that's why second year is mm-hmm. the hardest. So um, intern year in the second half of the year, you can start by doing only weekday call, you know, one or two, one day, two days a week, maybe. Then once you're a second year, then you start covering uh, Friday, Sunday. You might have one extra call during the week, but we do our calls Friday, Sunday for one person. And then there's another person who does Saturday. So only two people are on call over the weekends. Uh, so usually that's going to be a going to be a second year. And then the Saturdays are covered by third year. So third year only does Saturdays. So one every three Saturdays is your only call for the month. So that's not really yeah. bad, honestly. Like if that's your only call, not bad. And that at was all. set up because when we're on, yeah, when when we're it's set up that way for a reason. Because when you're on at a uh, at uh, Tumor with Doctor Temple, who's one of the you know world's leading musculoskeletal oncologists, like you don't want to miss OR days with him. So we purposely don't have you taking call on days where you'd have a post call day. So you take call on Saturdays for that reason. And the same with uh, with our joint rotation, which is at Cleveland mm-hmm. Clinic. Like, we don't want you missing days because, you know, there's good cases going on. So, you know, you, you take Saturday calls a third year. And that's usually when you do those rotations. Right. Usually. And uh, from what I've seen is that whatever cases come in a Friday and it gets booked on Saturday, you're the only resident there. So you're essentially, that's your case. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then fourth years do one day a week, mm-hmm. essentially. So it's, and it's, it's actually not every week. It's actually probably every third week. So really the fourth years aren't bad. And then our chiefs only cover Sunday cases if they come right. in. So there's no actual pager call for mm-hmm. a fifth year. So I haven't held a pager for the trauma <laughs> team, you know, this entire as a fifth year, but I've been there on Sundays to operate. Essentially. That's what it boils Definitely. down to. Um, so that covers most of like the general rules. It's, it's, I think it's fair because, you know, it might suck up front, but then each year it gets so much better. Definitely. And I, I think it also adds into the type of surgeon you're actually going to be as soon as you graduate. Because, I mean, I saw you do the clavicle by yourself. You do a lot of cases by yourself. It's, it's ridiculous. Well, yeah, I mean, the clavicle is not a hard case, but yeah, you're graduated. right. Graduated. Definitely some people yeah. that wouldn't be doing Gra- that. Graduate responsibility. <laughs> That's um, what it is. Yeah, exactly. You were saying, we were talking about, um, like, in general, when you're holding the pager, yes, you are the only one in the hospital. We do try to have our interns there. Uh, they alternate weekends helping during mm-hmm. the day so that the, so that the morning cases on Saturday, the third years can do them with the intern, if nothing else is going on. Um, so we do try to offload the third years um, during, during their Saturday calls as well. For sure. And the next question I want to ask is if there's one thing you can change about your program, what would it be? Uh, I think, again, it's just nobody really knows who we are because we're a relatively new program mm-hmm. and we were in the osteopathic world, you know, so merger happened and we're all together now and people are like, oh, I never heard of them or, you know, there's still some kind of 
implicit bias in some people's minds, but I mean, we literally train in the same places as other MD programs. And, you know, I think that the, the difference is only going to be, you know, minimized in the future. I think it's just going to be more and more mainstream. So I think that problem will be going away. And I think, you know, we've been matching residents in good places and, you know, we're going to get out there. So it just Definitely. takes time. And, but that's probably one of the weaknesses. Another weakness is driving. <laughs> you, know, you have to drive to Miami. It's not that bad. I, dro- I drove from Miami. Uh, for our outpatient, it's fine. Uh, it sucks when you have to be there early. You have to leave pretty yeah, early. For sure. Um, and then come, it's actually not even to get there. The problem, the problem is getting home. Like you leave at five, you're not home until six thirty. Sometimes just the traffic is crazy. Uh, that's pre-COVID, <laughs> yeah. obviously. What? And then you have to drive to Boca. Also, we do our spine mm-hmm. in Boca, or so. You know, there, there's some driving. That's probably another Got downside. It. And just for the listeners out there, in case you're interested in fellowship, do you, uh, Bijan, do you mind talking about where you, well, we're going to talk about you, how you matched at Yale for Spine. You want to talk about your two other co-residents and where they matched? Yeah, sure. So uh, mm-hmm. there's three of us, right? So I matched at Yale for Spine. Um, my other residents, one of them matched at Harvard for, uh, for sports. So he's going up there next year. And then the other one's doing trauma at University of Mississippi. So, you know, we do we do get around all over the place we've matched everywhere um in terms of prestige maybe not like hss or something because again that's no one's heard of us so it's hard to match somewhere like that right but you know the the sky's the limit and it's really up to you to do what you want to do as a as a resident to have a good outcome when you match your fellowship so this program gives you every tool that you need to match someplace that you want to go. And if you want to be the person that that's going to go out there and get what you want, then you're going to do it. Um, it's not going to be handed to you, but you're going to do it. Work hard and you get the change you want. I like that. So for the next one, do residents have any input for change in the program? And if so, what are the avenues for change? I think that's a good question. You know, you, a lot of, a lot of programs in academia in general doesn't really care about, residents and, and you know or even medical students even to a higher degree so things are just set right this is what we do here this is how it's done blah 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 blah. so in our program again we're small so you do have you do have a say you do have input right the chiefs are on all the committees and like i'm you know me myself i've changed certain policies that have come up and i've talked to the program director and been like this doesn't make any sense for anyone why are we doing this and then he's like, you know what, you're right. So let's try to figure out a better way to do it or something like that. So there, there's, this is a program where you can leave your mark because it's a small program. hasn't been around that long. And, you know, it's kind of a unique Definitely thing. Definitely to that family environment for sure. It's open discussion. Yeah. I mean, our program director come when you're on trauma service, you have, you know, you eat breakfast downstairs right before cases and program director is always there. You guys are always talking about whatever is going on on the day to day basis or the, whatever new policy they're talking about or whatever's going on in addition to signing out. So you, you have a constant interaction. That's great. So for the next question, Oh, and we don't have that. Big, one more. The other thing I'd say is we don't really have that big of a hierarchy here. There's not like, you know, chairman and chair of this department. You know what I mean? There's just not that much academic uh, hierarchy. There's a program director. We do have a chair and then there's an assistant program director. And that's really it. So there's only a few people that are in the room making the decision. So you can have a big influence if, you know, you have a good And point. even so, I don't see a lot of the kind of the hierarchical structure. I think everyone there treats each other as colleagues, which I think is, adds also to the culture of the program. 
yeah exactly like i've never been i've never been scared to open my mouth about something i didn't agree with but that could just be my personality (laughs) i highly doubt that but in your opinion what's so special to you is the best experience so i think most of our residents although they may not be interested in pursuing it will say that our tumor experience is second to none so we do our tumor with Dr. Temple, who used to be at UM, and he left them to essentially create his own tumor practice, which is kind of unheard of, but he had a big enough name to do that. So uh, when you're there, you are, you know, you're treated like the fellow. So every case, you're the one doing it, you know, with you two are doing it together, whether it's a tiny little ganglion or, uh, you know, a hemipelvectomy for a sarcoma on a 12-year-old, you know, so it's you and him doing the case. Uh, he has a partner, Dr. Durfee, that you work with also. So you, it's two of them. And between them, you're in the OR four out of the five days per week. You do uh, office with Dr. Temple on Mondays. Um, so you see you see the full gambit of the tumor experience. And actually, I matched in spine, but I'm also doing a tumor fellowship. So I'm applying for that now. because I And I think it's because our experience is wow. so good. So I'm actually doing two fellowships because that's how good our tumor experience is that, I, you know, I see what it can be and I kind of do want to do it. So, you know, it, it really pushed me, I think, having him as a mentor to be interested in pursuing it. And I'm not the only one. One of the fourth years right now is he's going to do trauma first wow. and then tumor after. So it's, it's, it's really a great experience. Um, so imagine being treated like a fellow as a third year, you know, your operative skills fly through the roof just being, mm-hmm. just being around. And honestly, don't think you ever mentioned that at all so, to me. So this is the first time I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. So that's the best to me. That's our best experience in terms of like what a specialty is and what you get to do and, you know, how our residency is unique. I think Dr. Temple is, is absolutely impressive for our program to have because it's second to none. I don't think there's any program in the, in the world that has a better tumor experience sure. than that, where you're treated like a fellow. That's you know, that, amazing. So, again, also highlights the yeah. early exposure. And, get, you know, yeah, and I would say spine is also good. So, the, I mean, obviously I'm biased, right, because I'm doing those two. But, you know, you see you see MIS with, um, with the neurosurgeons a lot early on. So you're seeing, you know, things done through minimally invasive approaches on the spine and then you go to peds and you're doing, you know, peds scolies, which with some of the world's leaders on them. And then you're doing a third year rotation or fourth year rotation outpatient with somebody who does everything from MIS to major open. And you have room for electives to fit in other, you know, experiences. So my spine experience, I've, I, I loved it. It's been great. Definitely no bias there. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, the next question I'll ask is about case requirements. Are there any services that's difficult to complete these requirements? I don't think that's ever really been a problem. Um, sometimes some foot fusion cases can, you know, you need to do like X number of, of ankle fusions and that's kind of a rarer case. Our foot and ankle is, um, it's done outpatient also. It's a, well, not just outpatient, obviously, cause we get the trauma cases too, but uh, it's done in the private practice setting. So those cases are, they're not rare, but they're just less common. No one has ever not hit it. It's just been like, oh, make sure that you log this correctly so that, you know, you get sure. the right credit for it so that you don't have to worry about it. So, yeah, okay. that, I mean, that's never been a problem. And I would say my intern year, I did like 150 cases were were logged, maybe 130 to 150. That's surgeries, not reductions. 
Uh, second year was like 400. And then every year after that has been like 350 wow. to 450. And that's using, that's like each surgery is only one, one code. You know, it's the way I'd, I've done it in, in the ACGME case okay. log. So it's probably not the busiest in the country, but I mean, for sure, it's real. <laughs> and the next one, you kind of tapped on it a little bit earlier. How often are you double scrubs? I know you mentioned there's no fellows specifically at Broward. Other services where you see an issue about being double scrubbed? So when we're double scrubbed, it's usually a good thing mm-hmm. for the junior in general. There are times when, you know, they are pulling traction on the leg. Not medical, not medical <laughs> students, right? That's, you know, that's just part of the orthopedic. Yeah, exactly. That's just part of being a resident in the early years. Is sometimes that's your job. Uh, but in general, when you're double scrubbed, it's going to be, you know, the the senior taking the junior through with the attending plus minus scrubbed in and maybe heckling you a little bit. But, you know, in general, I would say that being double scrubbed for us is a good thing because it means that we're going to let you do more. For sure. And the, the next question, I'm kind of move away from the operative experience a little bit. But are there any global opportunities involved in the program? That's something that we haven't had, actually. Um, but we do have an attending in Miami Children's that goes on trips. And he's told me before if we ever want to go that we could. But no one has done it before. So I, w- I would say it's not something that's that's really even been broached as a topic. But I don't think anyone would be against trying okay. to create something. There's plenty of people in need. Definitely sounds like, again, with your research experiences, self-made. If you really want to do it, if it's really your prerogative, then you can go and make it your way or add it. Yeah, and I know I know other people have gone to Haiti and stuff, but it's it Got hasn't it. been our department. And I want to ask about didactics. Do you have a format? And if so, if it's protected didactic time per week, how does it work for you for Broward Health? Yeah. So if you go back in, in when the you know, the inception of the program, one of the big weaknesses that every resident complained about every single time it came up was that didactics wasn't protected. <laughs> So we've reached a point now, you know, for the last however long I've been here plus time where didactics is protected time. So Tuesdays from two to five, it's now virtual. And I think we're going to keep it virtual mostly, actually. We're probably not even going to go back to being in person just because it works out so well. One of well. the benefits of COVID. So the format, yeah, it's like it's, it's very good because if you're on an out rotation, you don't have to drive back and leave early and get there late, whatever. So being virtual is great. Plus, we get more attendings to, you know, be part of it because they can just pick up their phone and give a lecture or, you know, join in from their laptop or whatever. So it's actually pretty good. So what we do now is uh, whatever chief is running didactics, we'll send out a quiz that all of us take. And then we'll go over the quiz. Um, And then we'll also go over new questions. And then we also have either an attending or a resident give a lecture. So pre-COVID, there was, you know, probably a significantly less amount of attendings giving the lectures. And again, that kind of ties back to the private practice thing, right? They're seeing mm-hmm. patients in their office and stuff. They don't have protected academic time that often, but since we've been going virtual, even with everyone getting busy again and getting more and more normal, you know, we, it hasn't dropped off at all. So we have an attending giving us lectures almost every week. I would say probably in the whole year, it'll be like maybe 60% of the time there's an attending there. And then 40% of the time, it's one of us giving yeah, a Yeah, and I think it works out great in a virtual, too, is because when we're going over the OITE question, especially uh, during the protected didactic time, we're waiting for the joint surgeon at the Cleveland Clinic to tune in. He was finishing seeing some patients, <clears throat> and then we were just going over OITE questions until he was ready to pick up the phone and essentially just hop onto the Zoom meeting. 
super convenient for everybody. Yeah, exactly. And those guys, those yeah, those guys are great surgeons too down there. So one of their guys is like a, you know, a stud primary joints guy does, you know, seven or eight cases every day, three days a week and does it well, you know, he's does, does everything the right way. And they also have a research, you know, <clears throat> research endeavors there. So if you're interested in joints, a lot of the, a lot of the residents have done many projects with the Cleveland clinics, uh, joints people. Um, but the other guy is more interested in revisions. So imagine having someone who only wants to do revision joints. That's like rare to find. So you really see the full gambit. And then they also have a tumor guy there too. So you see like all aspects of joint reconstruction while you're down there and they give us good lectures. They're pretty academic down there and um, they have a lot of research opportunities. So I think it's a good, um, it's another benefit of our program. And on the same topic of didactics almost uh, the next question is, do you have any simulation labs? And if so, uh, any cadavers in animal labs? So in our hospital, we have an arthroscopy simulator for shoulder and knee. Um, so you can use that at your own discretion as much as you want. Um, so that is there. For cadavers, we don't have a cadaver lab attached to, to the hospital or even at Nova, we don't, which is the sister institution. Um, we don't go there and do anatomy labs at all even though we've tried to set it up. So the way that we get around that is we've had industry sponsored ones. So we've had cadavers come up on these like RVs that are, you know, redone with cadaver labs inside. And we've done shoulder labs in an RV parked across the street <laughs> at the bar because <laughs> there's a bar across the street. Uh, we've done, there's a, an anatomy lab in Miami and another one in uh, a little closer in Hollandale, I think. So those two places we've gone to a good amount of times, more so the Miami one. But I'd say we do probably three or four cadaver okay. labs per year. And I just want to touch. Yeah. One that stood out. I remember we, yeah, we did a upper extremity one when I was a first or second year with Dr. Orbe, who's a, a big name in upper extremity. And he, we went down to his lab and, you know, we did use his plates and his uh, elbow system and it was a great experience. So we go out of our way to try and set those up. The residents actually set them up. And it's not hard. Mm-hmm. You know, the reps all want to do it. Definitely. So and just for the listeners out there, uh, Dr. Orbe is kind of the inventor of, or the person behind Skeletal Dynamics, which is a huge, like, upper extremity uh, company, especially out of here in South Florida. Uh, but I want to touch upon the arthroscopy lab. I actually got onto the one for the knee. Um, Dr. Jones has kind of guided me through it. He's a second year. And I realized there's a lot to it that you don't think. It looks super easy when a sports medicine guy does it. But when I was doing it, especially at the end, it, bases your score off of time, how much you messed up the femur, how much you messed up the tibia, which for me, I messed it up completely, both of them, obviously. Uh, three, do you actually do the whole diagnostic part? And four, do you, and five, do you actually clean it up? So I like completely failed. And it was actually a lot harder than I thought it would be. Like I thought it was super easy, but it's not. And that's one of the things with the labs that it really helps you hone in on your skills. If you play video games inverted, you're out of <laughs> Exactly, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> invert, invert, oh yeah, invert the sticks. Uh, so the next question I had for you is: um, Is there any support and answers for PAs, uh, nurse practitioners, with Broward Health? No. So there's PAs um, mm-hmm. at Miami Children's. So when you're there, there there's a PA that takes call three nights a week. So they're there, and the other PAs are around helping in you know, clinic and the OR or whatever, there's, there's no issue with them overstepping you in general, but other in Broward, there's none. So, I mean, you are, you are 
most of the orthopedic okay. department as and you kind of tapped on i was going to ask about the relationship between you as a resident and the and the pas if there are any and the next question is yeah it's it's not adversarial mm-hmm. at all i mean they're they're pretty good in general there's actually a t- it's like a teaching opportunity because someone sometimes there's a new one and they don't know what the hell they're doing and you know you've done a million arm reductions by then Definitely. So. And for sure as a medical student the pa has always been my first source of information because they know a lot more at least I would ever know. And so they've been the one teaching me. That, but that's because for my institution, we don't have a residency program kind of attached. So PAs are kind of like our next tier up and they're kind of our residents more or less. Yeah. And in other disciplines other than ortho, you know, it's becoming an issue with mid-level creep and all that kind of thing. Ortho is a little protected from it, not all the way. Um, but in our program, there's no issues with, you know, PAs overstepping residents or anything like that. If that's what you're worried about as an applicant. Okay. You know, you uh, next question I want to ask is about evaluations for residents. How often are you evaluated and in what format other than the OITE? Sure. So um, you do the OITE. Obviously, everyone does once a year. As interns, we take it also. Not every program does that. So we do the OITE. We get a quarterly um, evaluation for whatever rotation we're on by the attendings that are that run it so i'm on tumor this month as an elective so i'll have an evaluation in december from dr temple and durfee who are the two attendings um so there's that and then i would say after each case usually you discuss something about the case um the attendings are all encouraged to discuss what could be better what could be worse some people do it more than others right that's human nature but in general you will talk about you know the case after you did it or, or, you know, at some point in the near future. And then you're going to talk about it in fracture conference also, right? If you're doing a trauma case. So we show every case that gets surgery in conference and everyone in the department's going to see it. So uh, there's feedback that way. Um, but a good example. So I did a, I did a cervical corpectomy two level with one of our newer spine attendings. And he let me do, I would say probably 70, 80% of the case. And with his supervision, obviously. And then afterward, he, he went to clinic and then he called me that night and was like, hey, I think you did a good job. This is, you know, what you did great, you know, blah, 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 blah. This is what could have been a little better. So there's feedback. You know, it's, it's attending dependent. But in general, it's pretty good. You'll, you'll okay. know where you stand. And it's not a clarity mystery. for at least everybody who was applying or thinking about evaluations being as their form of feedback. Yeah, there used to be this paper system where after every case, the attendings had to like fill out this sheet, but then it just trailed off. Definitely. You know, they're sure. not going to do that. People are busy and it's hard, it's hard to fill out like a paper, yeah. a paper evaluation. Yeah, of course. And it's easier course. to talk than it so is. So, next question I want to ask is on the topic of evaluation. How do you have in service exams? And if so, are there any prep services offered for these exams? Just the OIT is the only one that we take. Um, we do have to do like a physical exam. It's honestly like a waste of time, but you have to do this physical exam thing to with Nova as part of the residency GME system. So there is an actual like practical where you have to do as a, as PGY one through three, I believe does it. And you have to do, it's basically a knee exam and a shoulder exam. Mm-hmm. And that's one time in the year and you get half the day off to do it. So it's not that big a deal. No one fails. Right. Obviously. Um, so there's that aspect of it. Um, but other than that, no, it's just the OITE. Um, and we kind of just the, the seniors guide the juniors. It's like the whole you know dogma of our program is that the seniors guide the juniors and the attendings guide us. 
So we guide the juniors on what they should study to do well. And the one, the residents who have done better are the ones who are trusted more with their opinions. Okay. And okay. It's kind of a natural. And the next question I want to ask is about perks. So it's going to be a long list of questions. And I'm sure hopefully you can give us a little more insight in terms of what Broward Health has to offer. Number one, uh, is there any living stipends? So no, there's no living stipend, but this is an area, a lot, again, I'm from LA, so I grew up in a different world, but houses here are relatively affordable. So in medical school, when I was a fourth year student, I got a physician loan and bought a house here. So I, you know, it's, it's affordable enough for someone to buy a house. And it's not, wasn't just me, my whole class, all three of us bought houses when we, before we moved here. And then the class after me, all three of them bought houses. So you can buy a house here. The live, you know, you can you'll earn a salary that obviously it's not great. You're in residency, but it's not terrible. So I would say you don't need a living stipend. It's not New York where mm -hmm. your rent is like absolutely ridiculous. So in that respect, it's good. You get an educational stipend. So first year you get eight hundred bucks for all for whatever you want to buy education wise. I bought um, I bought my lead glasses and something else I can't remember. So second year it goes up to fifteen hundred. And then third, fourth, wow. and fifth year, it's three thousand. I was going to a little bit. <laughs> so you get an educational stipend. Yeah, they buy your lead, so your lead is provided by the residency. Some programs don't do that, so that's nice. Uh, what else? Yeah, I mean you have full benefits like any other resident. You have insurances and all that. Uh, they give you twenty-five dollars a day in the cafeteria, and you can get real crafty and and make that go a long way. For a while, they were doing um, up to $50 a day, but you only had $25 a day per week, essentially. So you could use up to 50 a day. When coronavirus happened, they cut all that. So it's just 20, it's back to the way it was. So $25 a day. You ate the food. I mean, how do you rate it? I think it's like okay for hospital food. It's not I was like going to ask the same question. Terrible. It's not amazing. The most important question in your is how's the cafeteria food? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, like there's sushi, it's okay. There's pizza, there's, you know, some unhealthy stuff. But then they also have, you know, a grill where they'll make you chicken breast sandwiches or whatever. They'll make, they have a sand like a deli. So there's, there's different options. There. Um, it's one of, I think, of, yeah, of the places I've been, even in medical school, it's like, Definitely. It's above think, average, I, but it's not amazing. I definitely think that's, that's what do you think? I mean, consensus. you were there. You, For you me personally, the I thought it was super affordable, especially if you get the hot food. You get 30% off as a resident. And then that tax on with your $25 is pretty good. I didn't have a problem meeting my protein requirements, at least. Uh, there's always protein shakes and a bunch of bang energy drinks, monster energy drinks, wherever you, whatever drinks you possibly think of. They have like a refrigerator just full of that stuff. So I think in terms of. Yeah, and you get your twenty, exactly. and you get your twenty-five dollar credit on all that stuff too. And there's also the, yeah. the surgeon's lounge, which is everything's free. So there's food in the surgeon's lounge for free exactly. anyway, and I was gonna coffee ask, and everything. So how about doctor's lounge? You're not gonna starve. Is there like? Like a specific doctor's lounge? So there, there's a doctor's lounge downstairs that after we used to have fracture conference, obviously in person before coronavirus. And then after conference, we'd all have breakfast together. That used yep. to be like, I guess that's a tradition. There you go. So we used to do that. But since coronavirus and everything's virtual, so we're not doing that anymore. But otherwise, we don't have access to the to the doctor's lounge in in the cafeteria. But the surgeon's lounge by the ORs you do and everything's free in there there's coffee mm -hmm. there's you know they bring sandwiches they bring sushi they bring there's these cookies oh that'll God. make you fat because yeah. they're so good it's you all eight. It's just cookies 
There's, yeah, I mean, you, <laughs> and, you know how uh, everybody have access to the Surgeon's Lounge. Everybody have access. So there's, there's plenty there. Is yeah, so it's not supposed yeah, we, we to be that, that way, but it's a little. That's with, that's with Broward Health. <laughs> is parking included? <laughs> yeah, the, so the surgeons, it's supposed to be for the surgeons and the residents only. For sure. There's, there's uh, next question has is parking included? Yes. So as it as PGY one through four, you just have to park on the mm-hmm. fourth floor or above in the main garage. Or you can park in the other Broward garage, which you just have to walk across the street to get to the hospital and you can park anywhere. And then when you're a fifth year, you get access to the chief wow. parking lot, which is okay. on the third floor. Uh, and you mentioned a little bit about the you mentioned a little bit about the it's free. The, the stipend that you have for education, the eight hundred, fifteen hundred and three thousand. Uh, does Broward actually pay for step three? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they paid for all your testing. They pay for your organization testing. And they pay for your ACL. Yeah. That's separate? Okay. No, they, cool. they, that's separate. They pay and for The last question I had. Yeah. Your educational stipend is, is supposed to be for, you know, if you want to, like me, I use it for radiation lenses. If you want to buy a book, um, uh-huh. if you, that, that's what it's supposed to be for. It can also be used for conferences if you want to go I've to heard it conference. been used for an iPad before. You want to comment on that? Yeah, you know, you can you can buy a computer. I mean, in the past, you used to have to fill out a form and get reimbursed, but that now they just amazing. give you the money up front. So, yeah, you spend it on you. You could spend it at you could spend it at a strip club. Hey, we're not talking about that. The money is given. To uh, you. Are there any recent raises in it's salary? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when I was a PGY one, uh, you know, probably like six months after I started, they adjusted all the salaries to bring them up mm-hmm. to be more uh, fair to everyone. And then they raised them again when I was a PGY three. So the salaries are all published. I don't remember the exact numbers. I think as a five, you make like 65 okay. or something like that. So it's not the highest in the world, but again, it's not that expensive. Exactly. To live here. More money's going, but so. as a perk is that is, is are the residency programs affiliated with Broward Health? Are they unionized? No, there's and no union. That's a great question. I think isn't New uh, York I've heard the some that has programs that also have unions as well. I really don't know. Yeah, I'm sure that'd be a benefit, but uh, this is Florida. <laughs> They'd probably put you in jail if you try to union. The next question I had is about as far as international <laughs> medical graduates out there. Would Broward Health consider and accept IMGs? So we've interviewed a few. I would say not a bunch, but a few. I and mean, there is mm-hmm. one in our program from Ireland. So there, you know, we've already had a history of taking one. Sure. So it's not something that precludes you. Um, we've had some people that, that, you know, were great. And we've had some people that weren't that came through as internationals. And we rank people accordingly. So it's, this is not a place where you're going to get judged solely on where you went to medical school or something like that. You know, we care a lot about personality, like I said, and we care about work ethic. And then it's like, what else do you have? So, you know, we need you to be smart enough to pass the test, obviously, because ortho is difficult because you don't learn any of this in medical school, right? But the most important thing to us is not where you went to medical school. It's more, you know, are you going to fit here? And I think it's comforting for a lot of the international medical graduates. I think that's a pretty common question I've been seeing, at least across the Twitter sphere and 
the online happy hours. Um, yeah, and it's not like yeah. we're not seeking anything. You know what I mean? It's not like we're seeking, but we, sure. we interview whoever we think is interesting. So mm-hmm. we've interviewed plenty of IMGs and, and we right have one now, in our program. Are there any virtual opportunities for upcoming applicants? I think that okay. Dr. Rush is trying to set one up, actually. Um, I think for, for the interviews, we're going we're gonna to have like a Q&A session that'll be virtual. I think that's the idea, but it's not set in stone yet. And so for, there will be something. Okay. But I think it's but only going to be for the meantime, without, people, without interviews and just in terms of any interested applicants. I think from what I've seen, only fracture conferences is open at 6.45 a.m. on Fridays, unless you've heard of anything else. Uh, okay. No, we, I mean, our dynamic right that's Tuesdays, right? Two to five PM EST. Okay, that's Tuesday. And the last question I five, had is yeah. how to show genuine interest with the lack of a ways this year. It's really hard, right? Because I mean, you can't be here, so you can only rotate here if you live in Florida. So let, that's why you were able to come because you're a little up north. So right. anyone in Florida is welcome. Oh yeah, that's right, South. Uh, so anyone in Florida is welcome to to come and and try and set something up with us. Um, if you can't come for a month and you can come for a week, that's great. If you can't come for a week, maybe you can come for a weekend. Try to make it if you can't. You know, obviously we understand mm-hmm. there's a lot of things going on precluding you. But our journal clubs, you can go to those. Our didactics, you can go to those. Uh, our fracture conference, you can go to those. And they're virtual, right? So, you know, if you want to be involved, there's no excuse for why you can't be other than, you know, maybe you have you have to yep. be somewhere in the morning because you so that pretty much all i have is there anything else we haven't covered yet that you want to talk about for our health no i think we talked a lot about the strengths um i just want to make it clear like i'm i'm not trying to promote the program and ignore the weaknesses so i try to also point out the weaknesses because every program has them but one thing i'll tell you if you're you know obviously you're listening to this you want to match into ortho no program is perfect there's not one place in the world that you're going to get the autonomy, the academic center, the research that comes with it, the autonomy, the family, the, the relationships that you have with people and the location, mm-hmm. right? That, that's just utopian to think that. So try to figure out what matters to you, you know, and then, and then make your choices that way. And then also, obviously, you know, where you, I think location is a big thing. So what I did with my wife was we sat down, we were like, all right, where would you live for five years? And that's how I planned where I was applying. So location is a bigger deal than you think. Cause you know, you, you get your ass kicked for five years. You want to have something you can do outside the house. Right. So definitely. And you don't want to be in the middle of a blizzard. Appreciate so it. Location, Thank you again, Dr. Location is a big thing. Also. Uh, I think all the information, especially the end where you give a little tips for everybody and what to think about. It's great for upcoming applicants. And again, thank you for your time today. I really much appreciate it.